up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Heart Podcast, episode 56. So today we're talking about the story of Jan Broberg. And this is really one of those stories that's going to leave you with your jaw dropped. It is bizarre this how this whole thing unfolds. And if you have not heard about it, there's a Netflix documentary. We decided to cover it because of this Netflix documentary getting so much you know, attention that we've been, it's been requested so many times recently, but we have known about this for like a couple yeah, years Yeah, at least now a couple of years. Because we saw it on Dr. Phil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was at least like a year or two ago, I think. It was in our was, old apartment. So it was, it's been a while. It's a very bizarre story about kidnapping and all these different events that unfold for Jan and really unfortunate things. For their um, whole family. It yeah, really for the affected whole family. the whole family. And it involves like the uh, LDS church and everything. It's it's really so bizarre. So you know it gets weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. It gets very, very weird. Brainwashing and the whole nine yards. So that is the topic for today's. But let's go ahead and jump right into this week's news stories. The first story I got for you guys is about space. Surprise, surprise. We have another news story about space. Every week I feel like there's stories about space and about how we're doing all these things or all these companies are doing things to get us out there. And uh, it was no different uh, this week. Jeff Bezos, Amazon CEO, said that he thinks in the future humanity will live in a giant space colonies or in giant space colonies rather than settling on the surface of planets. So interesting. Hmm. This is like some Star Wars, Star Trek-esque shit or even like that movie Passengers, you know, where they had the giant... Uh, spacecraft oh. that were out there that people were living on they had like yes plants and shit growing in it you know what this reminds me of you probably don't know this but on the disney channel like way back in the day there was something called xenon it was a movie it was like this blonde mm-hmm. girl and xenon. they lived this the plot of the story was that like all of humanity moved well i think part of humanity moved to space and lives in this like giant spacecraft with like elevators and there's like a school and like it's a whole world in space yeah yeah that's, yeah it's kind of like that that'd be really <laughs> and cool, then there was though. like xenon the sequel for the sequel isn't that funny <laughs> the sequel fun disney fact folks. oh it was lit we should watch it honestly <laughs> <laughs> but anyways the concept is pretty simple basically traveling to other planets requires a ton of fuel and energy in order to do this so True. jeff bezos thinks it's more practical for us to build space colonies um with the primary one that will be close to earth it's kind of like a home base in space. But then it, it would like if you think about it, if you're able to build space colonies, then you're able to explore. Like if you have ability to never run out of fuel and explore space, you know, through light sails and solar energy and things like that, you could potentially take a whole bunch of people and just fly through outer space and, and all and it would be moving constantly. So yeah. it wouldn't just be stationary. No, no, no. Yeah, I assume so. Yeah. Or it would just be like floating there. How hard do you think well, it would be I to build something, have... though, in space? Like, I feel like that's got to be so hard. It'd have to be huge, too. If you think about it, how do you yeah. build something that big? I mean, and it's got to be nice, too. It can't be like the space station. Like, that's, you know, astronauts who know yeah. what they're doing. It's not really for like average people to start a life in. No. If you were going to have random people, it'd be like a lot more building involved, a lot more work. It would have to have way more amenities, like oh, similar yeah. to something on Earth for people to want to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what we're going to see before that is like a space hotel, which uh, Robert Bigelow at Aerospace, our uh, Bigelow Aerospace is currently working on. That's going to be something available to people on uh, Hotwire very soon. 
you can hotwire a room in space for like a hundred grand or something a night. That's fucking crazy. Are we He's really building at like that a, world? Yeah, that's literally like it's just interesting to me that every week we have these new stories coming about space. Like space is like at the forefront of everybody's minds. It seems like these days in the mainstream and you know in all circles, people are getting excited about space yeah. exploration. All these billionaires and investors and like Elon Musk just this week was like, we need to build a freaking base on the moon that has humans in it all the time. Yeah. Why? Why haven't we done that? Yeah, I'll do it if nobody else is going to do it, which is interesting because then it goes back to the whole NASA conspiracy and all that with the moon landings and everything. Why the hell did we go there and never go back? Yeah, we had the technology to get us to the moon. You would think we would have set up like a lunar, you know, operations center or something there. Yeah, something there. But we didn't for some reason. Or did we? So it's it's very interesting. And Jeff Bezos, um. He, he had this to say. He said, the solar system can support a trillion humans. Then we'd have a thousand Mozarts and a thousand Einsteins. Think how incredible and dynamic that civilization will be. But if we're going to have that. Oh, so he's saying we're only going to bring the smart ones? Leave all the dumb fucks at home? No, he's just saying that we can literally. <laughs> no, he's saying we can like expand the human race into the trillions. Like, like Oh, if we move off the planet. Right, because we're going to outgrow this planet, right? We're going to run. What's the point of like, I guess. Well, yeah. he's, say, he's saying that basically one idea to furthering human evolution is to just create a lot of lot more fucking humans. And the chances are you're going to get a lot more Elon Musk types, a lot more Albert Einstein types, maybe Nikola Tesla oh, types. I thought they were so saying they were only going to bring those smart people. So the ones that are in space <laughs> well, are the smartest. Well, maybe the maybe they're just going to bring the elite out there. Who knows? I mean, they might be the only ones who can afford it. Yeah, that's true. But he said, in order to do that, you're going you're going to have to capture more of the sun's output. We have not, we have to use all the resources that are out in space in terms of minerals and not just energy. And that's very doable, but we have to get started. So right now, there's an actual like private space race going on that you may not know, and that's Jeff Bezos' company's Blue Origin. He's actually built. Jeff Bezos is just like Elon Musk, maybe even like. Yeah. better in the terms of he's, he's got, got a lot of fucking more money, money. <laughs> but he's building rockets and and all sorts of uh, spacecraft right now interesting God. and it's interesting that like our government is not doing anything like as far as we know as far to as stop them no to build like why why are these they private totally companies, are though but why are why aren't we seeing anything happen because they i think they hide some of their best stuff well, because yeah. if we knew that it existed, like they'd have to explain. But we would other know things. if they were blasting shit off, like no. just today. How yeah. would we know? Because they do it we in can places see it. where. No, we can. See any people would be able to track it. If there I guess was stuff nowadays, because there's like satellites and shit, yeah. so like people are watching the the space station satellite. Well, yeah, and every I'm sure time they could figure something... out a way to do it. There's probably somewhere where you can't see it. Mm, a lot of people maybe. think in Antarctica they are launching things from there, and it, it very well could be. Maybe, yeah where just saying no it's possible i mean maybe they're but but still any type of object that leaves the earth's atmosphere is going to get picked up by a satellite is going to be picked up by something yeah. you know i mean could there potentially be like top secret uh you know launches happening sure but i don't know it's interesting to think but um yeah he's jeff bezos is planning to land a robotic space cargo carrier on the moon by 2023 so hmm Damn. Lots of things happening with space. But the next story I got is about Otto Warmbier, which I'll let you oh explain gosh. a little bit about Otto. 
Um, if you don't know who he is, he's an American college student who died in 2017 after being returned from basically being in prison in North Korea. So what basically happened for those of you who haven't heard of this? Because it did happen a little while ago. Um, what was it like 2016, 2015 even? Yeah, 2016. 2016. Um, so anyway, he was there with like a group of a bunch of different teenagers traveling. College students, yeah. I don't think he knew. I don't think he was like specific friends, but he like joined in with this group of like strangers. It was like a tour group. So, yeah. And a lot of people don't even know you can go to North Korea and visit it. But you a lot of times you have to go. I mean, you can probably go on your own, but it's best to go in these groups that say like, oh, we'll provide like a safe yeah. way through to see North Korea or whatever. Well, I think to go, you have to kind of be with one of these groups because not anyone can just book it. Like these these groups get approved to bring students there. Hmm. It's all part of their efforts to yeah, make I guess the younger like generation more yeah. open to North Korea. But it's very, very specific about where you can go, what you can do. You're with these tour guides. They don't just let people like book a hotel and come. Like you have yeah. to have a reason for coming there. And if you're with one of these groups that's like responsible for you and in controlling what you're doing they're allowed to come so anyway there was this part of the hotel that they were staying which they were staying in this really nice hotel and there was a floor that they said you can't go on it was like blocked off and on their last night a group of them decided to go ahead and go in there anyway and Otto took a and there's like security camera footage of it so Otto took like a poster yeah propaganda yeah poster. propaganda poster which why the fuck if they didn't want people on this floor why would they a lot like not lock that floor down the whole floor was like bizarre there was it's like weird. all these pictures that said like death to americans and like pictures of bombs and weird shit so yeah they took that that poster and that is like ex extremely disrespectful huge no-no yeah uh -huh. it is really really Big bad there so he goes to the airport to leave the next day and as he's going through security they're like uh stop this guy whatever pulled him out and took him the police took him. All his friends and everyone got on the plane and left. So he was alone there. And it's very confusing exactly what happened to him during those days or weeks, months that he was there. And we don't know when exactly he passed away. They think he had a brain injury for a while. But we're not yeah, sure exactly. Like, he was sentenced to 15 years of hard labor. Yeah, and then those that. labor camps, they seriously abused them. And I'm sure Clearly. as the American... He was probably targeted a lot and whatever. Or tortured. I mean, yeah, he could have he, he absolutely been tortured. So that's how he ended up in a coma. Yeah, because he came home from North Korea in like in a vegetative coma. state. Yeah, yeah, he was. There was no hope for him at that point. He was almost already gone. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, they think that he may have not had even like good treatment after he was first hit or whatever happened to him happened. That they may have not have even treated it as a coma or as a serious brain injury for a while and it could have led to a coma like brain swelling. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they weren't keeping like tabs on his health or anything. Yes. So the reason that uh, we brought this up is because <coughs> as many of you know, um, our president went and to a summit in Vietnam where that he met with Kim Jong-un about um, various things. But one of the things that was brought up was Otto Warmbier. And uh, I think a reporter asked uh, the president about it and his and basically the reporter was like, you know, did you question Kim Jong-un about Otto Warmbier? You know, basically nobody has did anything for him and his family like that. Nobody tried to get justice or nobody really did much of anything. So um, and, you know, President Trump had a less than stellar answer, basically saying that. 
he doesn't believe that Kim Jong-un had any knowledge of Otto Warmbier or his treatment while being <laughs> detained there, which is just absolutely complete bullshit because it's infuriating honestly Kim it Jong-un makes me knows. so mad it makes my hands sweat my hands are sweating <laughs> pisses me off it's yeah. like it's such a just such a slap in just the very face. cold and just like so unnecessary and so and disrespectful know, these this family the wambiers have had issues with obama's administration and now trump's administration People, not yeah, supporting right. them so it doesn't matter republican democrat they no. felt like no one gave a shit about him at all well yeah and you know when tr- our uh Obama was in office like they were pissed because they didn't do enough like aggressive something aggressive enough to go and get him yeah before and they it was probably too late should've. yeah but it's like what do you do I mean what do you do at that I point know. without starting a war I mean you can't just like break into another country especially one like North Korea you and- can like negotiate there's probably things that they wanted I don't know I mean I'm certainly not like an expert on yeah. foreign affairs yeah. especially with North Korea but I know the family said that there were all these different things they wanted them to do and they didn't do it and it would have saved their son's lives. So, yeah. And so basically in, in response to uh, President Trump's uh, very negative remarks about um, Otto Warmbier and, and uh, Kim Jong-un, they said Kim and his evil uh, regime are responsible for the death of our son, Otto. Kim and his evil regime are responsible for unimaginable cruelty and, and inhumanity no excuses or lavish praise can change that. So, and I don't blame them. I, if it was my son, I would be so extremely pissed. Oh, um, yeah. Especially about the fact that the president seems to be friends with Kim Jong-un, which Dude, is just fucking crazy. It's it's really, really it's disturbing, shit, honestly. Yeah. Like, let's not forget who this motherfucker is. This guy killed his own brother with acid. Like, he's insane. He's killed thousands and thousands of people. And here Trump's over here saying he's a really nice guy actually he said things like that like he's oh he's actually really nice really nice what the fuck what the fuck i'm sorry i cannot get behind this insanity or like act like that's normal that is so it's not so and it's not even yeah i mean it's not a a, dictator a ruthless just horrible dictator and be like oh yeah he's you know i think he's telling the truth he said he didn't do it so we believe yeah like, basically he's fuck? just like i take his word for it of and course it's like, he did of course, course he's he gonna lie about it they like what do you it. think it's just so dumb and and just a very insensitive remark and and i don't think it takes you know it's not you know a political to say that you know our president has some dictator uh tendencies you know it just seems like he you know cozies up to these guys so much yeah. and you know what i i think people on both sides of the aisle and in the middle can all agree as Americans that this is fucking bullshit. And just concerning. It's very scary. We can't, we yeah, we we cannot normalize that type of person that they're okay. And what they do, we can just let it slide. That's fucked up. And it also goes to show you that like, if you ever get arrested in a foreign country, like no one's coming for you, you know? Well, not just a foreign country, but North Korea. But I mean, especially a country that's literally a sworn enemy of ours. Like, yeah. you know, you're screwed. Yeah. The government's not going to look out for I you. I wouldn't let my kid go to North Korea. Yeah. I don't no. care how adventurous you are. Send I just you don't see else. why. Go to somewhere else. Anywhere else. <laughs> plenty of places. God. Yeah, it's crazy. So I just wanted to bring that up because I think, you know, for Otto, it, he deserves to have a story told and mm-hmm. and for people to know, like, this is just complete bullshit that, you know, mm-hmm. we don't support 
our own people like that. I mean, I, I couldn't even see this happening. It's interesting that this only seems to happen to United States citizens too, versus yeah. like British or Canadian. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like obviously, you know, foreign, you know, people from other countries that get captured and stuff, you know, end up sometimes die or, or get killed. Well, but, Cause they can use it for leverage. If we have like beef with each other, you know? Yeah. Liar, 15. All right. Good job. Let's get it into the shocking story of this Jan is, Broberg. This is fucking shocking, though. This is that's warranted. It is. It's a very it's a very bizarre story, and I, I haven't heard another story like it before. So let's talk about Jan. Jan Broberg. She was born on July thirty first, nineteen sixty two, and up until her first kidnapping at the age of twelve, uh, Jan describes her childhood in Pocatello, Idaho, as wonderful and extremely happy. Her dad owned Atkin Florist, while her mother was a homemaker. Jan had two younger siblings named Karen and Susan, who she jokingly said she'd boss around like any big sister would. The sisters would often ride their bikes to the Bilo Market and buy penny candy, and then they'd head out to the old racket club to go swimming. They would talk about anything and everything. So just a very like normal you know, middle-class family. She had sisters that she was extremely close with Karen and Susan. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just bizarre. The bro, the Brobergs, which is her last name, were devoted members of the church of Latter-day Saints or Mormons. Marianne, who's her mother was the church choirster. When the birch tolls, Gail, Robert, and their five children moved next door, the husbands bonded over being businesses and or business and family men. The wives naturally gravitated to each other and the kids got along great too. So basically this new family comes along and it's like the exact makeup of their own family in a way. And it's kind of like, like a mirrored family. It's like a mirrored family. So everyone has a friend. Yeah. Did you, did you have a family like that ever growing up? Where like you, you, there was like somebody your age, somebody your sister's age. Your, yeah. Across the your street. parents got along with somebody. Uh, Nah, my parents hated them, honestly. <laughs> my parents hated everybody in the neighborhood. <laughs> well, they were psycho. But anyway, um, no, I don't know. That's kind of nice, though, to have like a perfect family. Actually, I did have that one time. Me and my sis on a beach. We met this family literally on the beach. And then, and that was in Florida. And it turns out they were like five minutes from our actual home in Colorado. I wonder who's that. When we got home, we hung out with them all the time. And my parents liked them. And all of us, two girls, just like me and my sister. So, yeah, I guess we have. And it's very, it's like as a family, it's convenient when that happens. Yeah, then it is. Everybody's got a friend, right? Yeah, and you can all, yeah, it's like a family outing to all hang out together. It is convenient. It's nice. So the Birch told the man or the father, the husband of the Birch told family is named Robert. And I'll refer to him probably a couple different ways because he goes by a couple different names. So just to be clear, this is because they both have the same name, which is interesting. Bob. Yeah, is there's Bob Birchtold and then Bob Bro, uh, Broberg as well. Exactly. So I wanted to make sure. So Broberg is Jan's family. Birchtold is the man who we will be talking about who gets involved with Jan Correct. Broberg. Just because it's a little confusing with the two names. So I'll probably refer to him as Robert or B um, most of the time. Um, yeah, they called him Brother B. They gave him a nickname because basically well, these two they're Mormons, fam- so they say brother, whatever. Yeah, the fuck, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Brother B. That's his name. So this family comes into their life and Robert Birch told starts paying attention to the three Broberg girls, Jan, Karen and Susan, but he was particularly fond of Jan 
And Jan became particularly fond of of Robert. And, and just saying, hang on. If you saw this guy, I feel like as a mom, I would see this motherfucker and know he was a pedophile in like two seconds. He's like textbook pedo. I'm sorry, but doesn't he look like it? Yeah. He just has the... this weird ass look on his face. He's just he just creeps me out. He does just slicked hair. Creepy vibe to him. Yeah. Yeah. Just like but, I so, would not be like, oh, come in, cuddle and wrestle with my three girls on the ground. Yeah. And like take just pictures with them and picture stuff. Yeah. So it's weird. But he was like, he's like the ultimate, you know, he's got tons of charisma. He's charming. He's really fun. And so the girls like really gravitated to him for that reason, because he was a fun loving yeah. adult who was always up for games and because they became so fond of him, they started calling him by the nickname Brother B. So it's like kind of hard to see that side of him because you don't really get to see that much in the documentary. So it's really hard to see what any of them really saw in him because I'm telling you, it's like really creepy. Well, yeah, from an outside view, you're like, <laughs> yeah, like what the hell? He was that charming stranger and wonderful. Stranger danger, man. What was his, what was his birthday? I'm stranger danger. So basically they created this in tremendous amount of trust. And Jan said that basically there was no inkling whatsoever of any sort of, you know, weird things or um, potentially, you know, creepy things happening. They all thought of him as like a fun loving dad. He was well loved, well respected by many members in the community. And, and remember, they both they both were a part of the LDS church. So they both went to church. And so, yeah, you, you trust people that you go to church with most of the time. So nothing to worry about. But basically what ends up happening is Robert is essentially integrating himself into the Broberg family. And what's interesting is that Jan and Karen shared a basement bedroom and Robert who owned a furniture store built a wall, which gave the girls their own rooms. More importantly to him, it gave Jan privacy. First creepy thing. Oh my gosh. This is funny. He's, he was an Aquarius. Interesting. Like what a creep. Hmm. I'm sorry. Like I love Aquarians. <laughs> I actually really do have a lot of Aquarius friends, but they have the ability to be, you guys can be weird, really weird, strange birds often. So what's it? What, when you're listening to the story, you know, from an outside perspective, it's easy to be like, that's fucking weird. That's weird. Red flag, red flag, red flag. But to these families, they had immense trust for each other and Robert had never given them any reason not to trust him. And he was super friendly. He built a wall downstairs for the, for the girls so that they could have their own room. But thinking like later on, it seems like that wasn't even something that they necessarily wanted. They liked being together. Uh, Jan and her sister did. So it was kind of interesting that he just like inserted himself and was like, I'm going to build a wall between these girls bedrooms. Yeah. What on earth? Can you imagine me like, Oh, Sure. I mean, I guess that's a good idea. Go ahead. Build a wall in my kid's bedroom. I'd be like, what the? F Why do you want a wall? You creepy fuck. So if you haven't already figured it out, he clearly wanted the wall to separate the girls. Right. Because so. he has this eye for Jan. And what's crazy is that the, this guy comes into their life and the Broberg family had no idea that Robert had been convicted of raping a child and had spent time in prison or that the church of um, LDS had reprimanded him in January 1974 for his behavior involving another young girl. So that's crazy. And and when you're looking at some of these stories, they're so bizarre and you're like, how could this ever happen nowadays? And chances are it'd be very hard for, you know, somebody that raped somebody or was a sex offender 
to just go unnoticed. But back then they didn't have like a sex offender registry or anything like that available to the public yet. So in the wake of what ends up happening to Jan with Robert, six women would come forward to, to Jan declaring themselves to be past underage victims of Robert Birchtold. So this guy was a full on pedo, full on um, sex offender and uh, nobody knew about it. It seems like. Jan, prior to being kidnapped, had a, at, on at least one occasion spent the night at the Burstold's house. And she recalls in the documentary how she woke up to find her underwear pulled down and B's hands on her. And when she realized that this is what was going on, he would always explain, you know, why to her and be like she was tossing and turning and, and her pants must have just fell down or something. So Jan, you know, trusting this adult individual so much because she's very yeah. young at this point. She's, you know, around 12 years old. She's going to take the trusting adults word for it. You know, what's even crazier is Jan went on vacation with the Birch Tolls to Seattle in June 1973 and recalls waking up groggy. Robert apparently drugged her on numerous occasions, telling her it was an allergy medication. Ugh, crazy. And when she woke up. Uh, in Seattle, she remembers seeing a naked Robert standing by the bed. Ugh, gross. Ah, oh, God. So weird. I swear, as much as like I've read about pedophiles and like why they do the things they do and like trying to understand their brains, which you know you can only understand so much. Psychology is try like tries to, but it's just bizarre. But I just can't even wrap my head around it. I can't understand why you would want to do this. I just, I guess. I have none of that in me, so I just don't get it. But it it weirds me out that people are into kids. Like, I just don't like what about that is attractive or it really weirds me out. It's insane. It, it kind of some every time I hear about it, it blows my mind. <laughs> just oh, like, I know. What the fuck are you doing? Well, it's the same as like people that are into killing like serial killers. Yeah. And stuff. It's like, why are you into that? What yeah. about you in your brain? And and we'll we'll talk about that later. Like, what could be the cause for, you know, his pedophilia ten tendencies you know there's got to be something right i mean oh it's so bizarre i feel like you don't just do that unless you have like had something happen to you in your childhood yeah yeah exactly and, and that's exactly what the case is for robert is his childhood was fucked too as many many times it is for these these people these sick people but what's interesting is that robert essentially started grooming the broberg family he started you know flirting with uh marianne the girl's mother and at marianne actually recalls being flattered by robert's compliments about her body and other flirtation remarks and eventually at a church function in utah they wandered off from the crowd and made out among doing other things but that was the extent of it at that point in time they didn't have sex but they were basically like hooking up and you know doing whatever else and robert managed to seduce her essentially so he's not only going after their daughter, he's going after the mother now, too. What's so even weird. more shocking, though, is Bob <coughs> Broberg. Yeah. Bob Broberg's recollection of being in the car with Robert one day while his friend was venting to him that he couldn't stand his wife anymore. So Robert's like, I, which he was married, had kids, too, which is so crazy. And they're just like chilling in the car, yeah. hanging out, talking, just having a bro talk like, oh, man, I fucking hate my wife that's basically what he said 
and that he doesn't like have he never has sex and he just needs to have sex so bad he needs to be relieved right and then yeah then he starts coming on to robert bob yeah basically robert asked <laughs> yeah, bob robert. to relieve relieve him of his you know <laughs> basically masturbating yeah y'all yeah. yeah, know <laughs> yeah so bob is now sexually involved with robert as well at this you know what and i feel like we have a very very murky version of what happened i'm sure we're not getting the full story because i mean first of all bob kept this secret for a really long time and it was it was because of this documentary he finally told the truth yeah and it was really hard for him you can tell watching the dude he's just so embarrassed so, so mortified it. Yeah. for it feels so badly for cheating on his wife and it's just you can tell he just carries the shame around not just because he cheated but because it's with someone who you know later on he finds out didn't do the nicest things to his daughter which makes it way worse <laughs> did horrific things to his daughter yeah but he i mean he was like oh yeah he just casually asked me to relieve him and i was like okay yeah sure. i mean obviously there's and then he more. did it and that was it well there's been like accusations thrown on him like perhaps he's homosexual or whatever but it, i yeah, mean obviously be. we don't know or he might be bisexual or, bisexual or whatever, or whatever. But... but at the end of the day it comes back to robert and his ability to manipulate and his ability to Seduce really and yeah charm really just yeah i mean he's he reminded me of ted bundy in a lot of ways just because he's yeah. got that like charming charming aspect to him where you almost believe everything he says and and obviously it was somebody that they you know went to church with again was a member of the community so you know it was uh, it was just really such a bizarre event to happen to them but essentially robert what i think is happening is robert is doing these things because he wants to have leverage on the parents in order for him to get closer to jan like that's his yeah. whole purpose of doing mm -hmm the seduction of his parents is to gain control over them. Cause what he eventually does is he holds those sexual encounters he had with them over their heads and essentially like blackmails them. Yeah. And is like, if you, if you go to the police or you do anything to essentially get me in trouble, I'm going to release all this dirty laundry. on you guys. Yeah. And I think he just really must've just buttered them up. Just telling them, I mean, Jan basically said that she, he was saying, you know, you're so beautiful. I, I love you. I want you so bad. Your body, your legs, your, Oh my God. You know, just making her feel like a goddess to the point where she's will do anything. Yeah. Um, and same with Bob, I'm guessing. Yeah. No, he I, just kept probably was like, Oh, you're such well, a great man, Bob, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think especially at this point, after he had a sexual encounter with Bob, the, the filmmaker of abducted in plain sight said, they tried to actually look through records and stuff to find more evidence of, of, you know, encounters that Bob had with Robert because the filmmaker said that she feels like it seems like there must've been more than just a one-time experience for him to be, have this much guilt and shame about it yeah. in a lot of ways. And it seems like that was the case. So this could have been like Robert was deeply entrenched in each of their lives and uh, mm -hmm. was doing it in order to manipulate the parents. He, <coughs> Robert was actually able to convince both parents that he needed to sleep in Jan's bed with her for therapeutic <laughs> reasons. I shouldn't laugh. I was choking. <coughs> but can you imagine fucking allowing that At, for your own child? What the hell? You're I just like, don't know anybody uh, that yeah. would do that. Sure. Like, I just think of, I mean, I had a lot of like my parents' friends that I was close with, like, like my uncle Jim or my uncle Zeus, like men that I trusted in my life that were like uncles or father that figures are family. to me. They're fam family. They're family or really, really close friends. 
and my parents would never allow oh them God. to sleep in my bed. There is no way. If they even asked that, my parents would have like filed a police report. I just, this whole case, and it's so sad because I feel like the parents, and there's so much criticism about them, rightfully so, but they, I don't think they're like the brightest people. Like well, they yeah. seem like sweet, simple little folk, but they were like easily seduced and tricked and then blackmailed and shamed. And they made a lot of mistakes because all of that left led to, you know, years of torment that we'll get into for Jan because of them being in that situation with him. Yeah. Yeah. And especially allowing him to, uh, cause I think, I think Bob even, uh, Bob Jan's dad even said like he never felt good about like him doing that. But Robert was so manipulative that he literally like said, Oh yeah, my doctor said I need to lay in bed and listen to these tapes, these therapeutic tapes. And the guy that was his therapist or whatever was like not even a legit dude. So basically yeah, it was all set creepy. up. No one would say that. Yeah. Like, Please go lay with a child. Ask some neighbor to lay with their right. kid. Fuck, fuck and no. it's supposed to like help him no, like reduce these, shit. these thoughts of, of whatever, you know, Did he so, tell them he was having the thoughts. No, I don't think so. Okay. So they didn't know why. Right. They Imagine never knew why. That. Right. There's no way my parents would have ever done that. Like been like, Oh yeah. I mean, I guess if it's for therapy, sure. Like use our kid like it's an item. That's like being like, can I borrow your fucking mop? Sure. You know, it's like someone's child. It's yeah. so it's so bizarre. They like they gave her way of as something as easily as like a vacuum. Let him use you use her like a tool, an appliance or something. Essentially, that's Letting what him happened. Borrow yeah. it like an item. Yeah, it and, was bizarre. And Jan even said that she she would be with him like overnight. I think a couple times all by herself and stuff like and do you think they, they gave full reign to him it's crazy do you think they had any idea that that's what he was doing i mean they must how stupid can you know, be man. i'm sorry well i know they've been their excuses like mean. their excuses they they never thought because again you got to think this is the 19 like 70s so it was a very different time period and i think a lot of people would attest people just trusted each other more there wasn't sex offenders know, there wasn't sleep with my kids wasn't like pedophilia they really didn't think that was going on I don't know. I don't know. That's like well, they thought yeah. he was a Mormon. They thought he was a good Mormon and probably following the but faith. Still, and like, but you still, like, you don't need to yeah. sleep with my daughter. That's weird. It's, weird. it's very weird. It's really weird. It seems like a duh. So all of this grooming, essentially, is what it's called, led to Jan being abducted by Robert on October seventeenth, nineteen seventy-four. One day after school, Robert asked if he could take Jan out horseback riding. Which would you ever let your child by herself go off with with not a family member, but a neighbor, dude? Her parents did. And at first her mother was apprehensive since it was a school night after all, but eventually she agreed. As soon as she was in the car, Robert drugged Jan and staged a sort of fake kidnapping to look like the two of them had been taken. Which, yeah. <laughs> He literally like broke the window in his car, got blood all over him and stuff to make it look like they had gotten kidnapped. And after Jan was missing for a couple days, the family finally decided to contact the FBI, which after just was so a weird to me. couple days. It was a Friday night. So Friday night and back back then again, it's different times and like this shit didn't happen all that often. So the law enforcement agencies were not open 24 seven, obviously like local police was, but they didn't call the local police, which is weird to no, me. No, they didn't. They went straight to the FBI. They went straight to the FBI. 
I wonder why. I just want to ask them why they did that. Because the FBI office or the field office near their uh, where they lived wasn't even open until Monday. So instead of dialing 911 and, you know, my child has possibly been kidnapped and, you know, getting the word out there, they waited. Um, they waited strange. to actually get a hold of the FBI. So FBI Special Agent Pete Welsh caught the case on October 22, 1974 and would be on it for the next several years. Right away, the FBI discovered that the Birchtold family motorhome was missing from the storage unit where it was usually parked. Soon, they found Robert's abandoned Ford Maverick, the driver's side window broken, and a bit of blood on the inside of the car. There was also one set of footprints leading away, leading Welsh to believe he had carried Jan into the motorhome. So basically, he drove Jan to the motorhome, got in the motorhome, and then took off in the motorhome, pretending and trying to stage it like a kidnapping. They stayed off the radar for 35 days, all the while Robert was busy brainwashing Jan, playing her tapes that wove a whole fantastical story about being half alien and that it was her job to save a planet on the verge of destruction. This is perhaps one of the most bizarre things to the story is Robert was like a big fan of UFOs and aliens and stuff. And he decided to typical Aquarius like a yeah, like a real they love weird shit like a real fan of it. So he convinced Jan by essentially creating these tapes of these like alien voices that he probably recorded telling her to do things and that they had this mission and that they had to save, you know, save this alien planet. And in order to do that, she essentially had to bear a child with Robert. And she just got, started had these playing like in her ear. She was tied down in the motor home for a while. She was strapped down. Yeah. She thought she really had been like taken by aliens and stuff. Like, yeah. Imagine being in that situation. You're, you're wake up at 12 There's somewhere. You're not sure where you are, but you can tell that you're moving. She said she could feel movement. So she knew she was like in some type of car and then to, to have a speaker go off. Yeah. You had like a little like tape recorder thing near her head. Mm hmm. That just would turn on and start playing stuff. Well, he probably played it once he saw that she was awake. Yeah. So then she's greeted by a little voice being like, hello, you are He's like, hello. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm and at like, 12 years old? Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? And poor really thing. believe it. Totally believed it. Like full on believed this, lived this, like thought she was half an alien. So did you already mention about her dad? No, go ahead. So Robert told her. That, or I guess the message told her that her 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 father, Bob, was not her real father, and that she was actually fathered by an alien. Yeah. So her she, mother, her mother and fucked an alien. an alien and had her is what right. she was told, and she believed it. So it's really sad because later on she does reunite with her family, and she's very very cold towards Bob. Yeah. Well, she's been being brainwashed from age twelve. He's some stranger to her now. Right. And, and being convinced that she is on this mission to save this alien planet. Yeah. From And its voices had names, too. Uh, it was Zephra and Zeta, I think. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which is interesting because... The alien's names. I'm like, clearly this dude knew about Zeta Reticulum and all that. So. And I think, I think Jan felt, like, important and special because she, was in, she thought she was half an alien and that maybe the future of the world depended on her. I mean, if you really believed that she was like kind of into the idea of having a baby, like oh, probably a little girl was, oh, you know, yeah. not you the whole idea her, like, of, you know, how you yeah. do that, but like, Oh, a baby. 
But then obviously she knew what you'd have to do to have a baby. And you're 12 years old at this and point. And that's like, terrifying. Yeah. It, and it's disgusting because this dude is 40 odd years old yeah. and she's 12. And at that age, you just, I mean, most kids, I feel like a lot of kids don't even know at that point. I feel like at age 12, even talking about sex or seeing it or thinking anything like that would like make me sick to my stomach. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I just, I honestly can't imagine. I can't imagine hearing something like, like this and being like, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And this is when, uh, Robert started raping Jan. Yeah. Clearly. Basically convincing her it was all part of this master plan. And of course she was instructed that if she told anybody about any of it, particularly the part about him having sex with her, her father would be killed. Karen would go blind and Susan would be taken away or essentially Susan or he would, re or they would replace Jan with Susan. Now what's really, really weird about this is he would barely do it. I don't know how to say this. It's so disturbing. Yeah. So would, like, yeah, yeah. No, you, you can say it? it. I mean, it's fine. So <laughs> it basically grosses me out. Yeah. So basically we found out that when he was raping her, he wasn't, you know, fully going in. He was only going in about an inch so that it wouldn't like, you know, break the hymen or whatever. And yeah, it's really, which I think was, but... I think it was probably planned so that there was essentially no evidence, you know, yeah. of her being raped later on. I think that was probably his thinking, which is just fucked. And either way, I mean, that's still rape. But on November 20th, 1974, Robert called his brother Joe and asked him to contact the Brobergs to get their permission for him to marry Jan because the marriage they had apparently entered into in Mexico where it's actually federally uh, legal uh, to give consent for marriage at 12. That's fucking crazy. Is it still legal there? Let Ooh, me look it up. Double check. This is 1974. They might have changed that shit. But yeah. So basically he's like telling his brother, I got Jan in Mexico. and 18. Eight, yeah, I was going to say. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I was like, this is so fucking like that. Girls can marry, though, at 14. And boys can marry at 16 with parental consent, though. Well, that's how it is in the U.S., too. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure with parental consent, you can get married. Pretty, like, like 16. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Um, so Robert is doing everything he can to try to, to uh, or I guess it was a part of his plan to get some Jan's parents. Yeah. Or 16. Yeah. yeah. He was but trying it, to get yeah. Jan's parents to give him permission to marry Jan, which is what he wanted all along. And now he's got this, you know, dirty laundry on them that he can, you know, pull out on them. And Joe, Robert's brother said in the documentary that his brother was always a sexual pervert. And at this point in time, the, the family, the Broberg family is, has the full FBI um, investigating this, tracing uh, Robert's whereabouts. And they eventually caught up with him in his motor home in Mexico. And that's when he was, she was talking on the phone with them, right? Or was that the second time she was yeah. talking? Okay, never mind. So it was the middle of the night on November 23rd, 1974, when Mexican police officers stormed the motorhome and arrested Robert Burstold. At that point, Jan had been missing from Pocatello for over a month. It took the FBI in conjunction with the police in Mexico to locate her. During their investigation, authorities learned that Burstold had taken her to a small Mexican resort town called Mazatlan, along the Pacific coast. Mexican authorities took both Jan and Robert to a nearby prison and he was put into a prison cell and she was put in a small interrogation room. 
Jan recalls, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't speak Spanish at the time. Can you imagine at 12 years old having that happen to you? How traumatic that would be? Just just that part of it. I know. It'd be so horrible. She went through so much. Luckily, a couple of LDS missionaries serving the area were able to translate. They notified Jan that her parents were coming to pick her up within the next 24 hours. And as they spoke to the terrified young girl, she gobbled down from McDon- food from McDonald's that the missionaries had brought her. It was the only food she had eaten in more than a day. God. While Jan was taken back to Southeast Idaho by her parents, Birchtoll remained at the prison until he was extradited back to the U.S. to face kidnapping charges. However, Jan said his punishment was not severe. Basically, when he came back, he pleaded that he had a mental deficiency and had some sort of mental breakdown. He ended up, Robert ended up spending a few months in a mental hospital, and that was it. Isn't that crazy? That is. If he had actually been charged with any sexual crimes against Jan, he would have most certainly faced a much stiffer penalty, like a long prison sentence. Yeah. However, the whole thing with Jan is she's basically falling in love with this man because that's what yeah. he's brainwashed her into thinking. Well, and she thinks she's this like part and, alien on this like right. extreme mission with him to save the planet. Exactly. Like, well, yeah, I, you're right. That's the real reason why she didn't want to reveal any of the details is because the aliens who spoke to her through the intercom knew how to keep her quiet. Yeah. Well, he all remember when he got arrested, he, he gave the, the dudes in jail, like one of his golden, one of his gold rings. I don't know, maybe his wedding ring, even a gold ring in order to speak, to let them, let him speak with Jan. Mm-hmm. And then he told her, the aliens have come to me and they told me four things, like four rules. You can't, I can't remember exactly what they were, but one of them was like, you can't talk about the mission, which the mission includes the sex and everything. So she, she the kept baby that secret. by 16 and stuff. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, at this point she really believes all this shit is real and yeah. is just is going along with it and, and was in love with this man. Defending Robert uh, on her return to the US and to her family, she was like, you know, just being like, Why'd you do this? I want to be with him and all these different yeah. things. And and Robert, meanwhile, is fighting kidnapping charges and mental hospital and stuff. And meanwhile, the you know, the Brobergs are like, We don't want you to ever be around this guy. We need to you know, figure out a way that he doesn't. They should know. have moved. I would have fucking yeah, moved states. Right? Get Wouldn't away from him. Such a creep. But on December 24th, 1974, Gail told so Robert's wife, presented Bob Broberg with some papers to sign. Basically, the papers were to agree to no longer participate in the case against her husband or else they would expose their dirty laundry. So Ugh. the sexual encounters that Bob and Marianne had. And as like a religious person, a Mormon, that would like, you know, oh, imagine yeah. the fear of that coming out. Well, that that's what I think the it was. The infidelity on like, her part, the infidelity on his part, plus the homosexual acts, you know, in the Mormon church, that's definitely not. And okay. and think about like Bob's business. Yeah. Imagine if the papers pick that up, then that would just be, it would completely change their life. And not only that, but their business could go downhill. It could create like back then, if those types of secrets came out, people would judge the hell out of them. You know, like nowadays it, you know, we don't really, you know, if people are, you know, have affairs or infidelity, we're like, okay, whatever happens all the time. But back then that was like a huge deal. So obviously they didn't want that coming out. So they went ahead and signed the papers Mm -hmm. for Gail and Robert basically saying that, 
Their daughter was not taken by force or against her will, nor was she held or confined against her will at any time while in the company of the defendant. It's so insane. In the documentary, they had the parents read their own statement that they made. That they that they and signed you could off tell on. They were just so ashamed. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like basically, the parents. I mean, this was one of the biggest mistakes that they made, in my opinion, is they chose to their own themselves. pride and, and egos and mm -hmm. lives essentially over their, their kids, their yeah. daughters. Most people would be like, I don't care what you blackmail me with. Like you sexual abuse my daughter and kidnapped her. I'm going to press charges. But yeah, they made the decision to try to save themselves from public humiliation. Yeah. And look what <laughs> how that helped them out. Not too much. But for obvious reasons, once Robert was released from the hospital, he was not allowed anywhere near the Broberg household in Pocatello. But that didn't stop him from making contact with Jan. On multiple occasions over the next year and a half, she would receive handwritten notes from children while attending her junior high school. The notes featured instructions telling her to go to a specific payphone at a certain time after school and wait for a phone call. Which is weird that... Robert was clearly going to other kids that knew her or were in her class or whatever, slipping them notes, being like, hey, Give get this, this to her. Jan. So it wasn't oh, like him so directly crazy. doing it. And Jan, of course, being obedient, followed the orders. She said, when I would pick up the phone, it was all, always either Robert or the aliens on the other end, always reminding me about completing my mission. Jan said the handwritten notes were written by Robert, who had then bribed one of her classmates to pass it to her. While she was at home and supposedly safe and sound, the brainwashing tape recorder returned to Jan during the night. That's fucking creepy, man. That is really that's, creepy. That's so creepy. So she would like hear that she would like constantly be reminded from these tapes of what her mission was. Yeah. And Robert would frequently visit. And when Robert would visit, um, they would have sex committing statutory rape multiple times. Yeah. because And she said like at that point in their relationship since he was allowed to or didn't see her as often it became all about the mission because you know you have to do it before you're 16 so you gotta like get going yeah is what she was told so she was always stressed out about completing the mission and every time she was with him and was alone he would try to complete the mission and it's what's insane. crazy is the way that this guy like slithers his way back into this family because yeah it's not, insane it's really insane he had complete so control over the broberg family and had all of them at his fingertips you like, think he'd be this like sexy guy a charming man like really tall muscular or something i don't know he's just like this dorky little pedo looking dude i'm sorry <sighs> but i just don't i do not understand how they were so charmed by this guy am i missing something well he seemed like a total weirdo He's definitely not attractive. He definitely didn't. He didn't even seem like from the recordings and stuff. He didn't seem that like interesting or charming to me. Well, here's here's one idea that I have. Here's one theory I have about this is I think the the fact that both of these families, especially the Brobergs, were such dedicated members of, you know, the Mormon faith and the Mormon church. And this is something that, you know, we got to explore further in an episode. But the the Mormon church and the LDS organization does have some brainwashing tendencies for sure. Yeah. And it's quite possible that many people that are a part of that faith are very susceptible and, you know, what do we want to say? Lower IQ, obviously not all of them, but some of them 
that kind of fall victim to that type of religion slash cult slash, you know, kind of like Scientology too. It's the same type of thing. Like the Mormon church is very similar in it's set up to Scientology. I get like, I get that. And that makes sense. It still doesn't make sense though. Why they would allow this because, man to because, continue. Because in their minds, they don't think he's capable of anything evil, but they've all, they've both hooked up with him and stuff. Why? I'm saying, how is he charming well, enough to get all three of them? Well, at that right at that point, it's just yeah. I mean, he must have been that charming. I mean, what are the chances of that? And it's not just because he's Mormon. Just no, you're Mormon. No, he's clearly smart though. He's clearly like a what? What do you even call it? I don't know. So he's he clearly just, like an evil genius in a way. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. He set this it's whole bizarre. thing up. I mean, the, all three of them were just completely brainwashed by him. Absolutely. And that just, weirds me out you would think that someone like that would be like really attractive and charming and like i don't know he just looked like such a weirdo to me he didn't seem like that type but back then and 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 maybe in their neighborhood that was the hottest hottest shit out there so his little glasses and little i don't dork ass haircut is yeah the that hottest was thing out there yeah that was in in the 1970s dude people looked goofy as hell in the 70s true but still it's such uh, a different time i don't know but so obviously, bizarre. because of all this and, and you know, him still manipulating his way in the family uh, of the Brobergs, their home life just continued to decline. And in the spring of 1975, Marianne, Jan's mother, visited Robert and they ended up having sex, which started an eight yeah. month affair. Yeah. And she she completely mm-hmm. like fell in love with him. Yeah. Totally. Like so he had some the, charming skills. She, she said that basically she just was, he was so nice to her and complimented her and made her feel so beautiful and sexy and just charmed her, I guess, till the point where she was, yeah, willing to have sex with him. Yeah. This guy was like this guy who the nicest it, guy you could yeah. possibly think he I had guess. to be that type of person that to, to sleep with him even after, you know, he took your daughter Right. And come on, these people must have some idea in their in the back of their head that maybe he raped their daughter. <sighs> I mean, if she had the doctor's check, she must it must be on her radar. How much as a mother can you turn a blind eye? Right? Like if that were my daughter, there's no way I wouldn't I would just assume that didn't happen. Like why else would a grown man take a little girl? I don't know. It's so weird. It's very weird. It's it's weird that there was no thoughts of could this guy be a pedophile? Yeah, and have done something to my daughter, and now I'm sleeping with it. And I don't, yeah, and I don't buy the the fact of oh, we just we didn't think there was anybody like that out there, any type of sex offender. What was that? We didn't know what that was. Yeah, bullshit. and I mean, obviously, there probably wasn't as much talk about it and awareness around it, but still, it's like, come on. Yeah, this guy is is clearly pushing pushing things here, and in fact, Robert. During his affair with Marianne, would try to convince her to leave her husband and start a new life in Utah, because actually after this first kidnapping, he ended up moving down to Utah to work for his brother at a car dealership. Actually, and his brother uh, actually said that he was like one of the best car salesmen they've had. Like he's just he so just good at charming. Like, yeah, ultimate charm, conniving. Yeah, in wow. some way. I guess we just didn't get to see much of that on the documentary, so it's hard because there wasn't like a lot of video footage of him. You know, there's no interviews with him and stuff. Yeah, I know. So it's kind of hard to like. Really it's hard get to a really feel get a, what he was like. Yeah, yeah, it's you hard know? to. Get That's that why that weird because all you see is these creepy pedo looking pictures, and you're like, this guy, this was the guy. Yeah, well, yeah. When you look at the pictures, you're like, no way, yeah. no way, this guy got away with all this. And like, got all three of them. Yeah, and it's just yeah. so weird. 
Because, I mean, like when we were talking about and watching Ted Bundy, I mean, you can kind of like see how people kind of like fell for him yeah, because I, he's got that. Yeah. He really does have that. But he had the looks too. He had, he had yeah. kind of the full package, but this guy right. doesn't seem like he, just he seems has like the full package. Dork. Yeah. Right? It's really bizarre. And I can't believe that Jan's mother was having sex with this dude while this dude was also raping her, her, her daughter. Like yeah. that's just so crazy. To and me. to just po- most likely turn a blind eye to that and just ignore it. I mean, as a mom, I feel like the whole th- the only thing I'd be thinking about during that is like this ha- this exact situation was happening to my kid. I don't know. It's just I don't get how you can just assume that he didn't. Like he took her to Mexico and married her. Yeah, seriously. He married yeah. her. If he just Come took on. her to a beach resort and like. <laughs> but that's the thing. You got to remember though. Like I think a lot. I think a lot of it does have to comes back to the LDS faith because that is you, true. There is they some... have. Uh, polygamy polygamy is you know sister wives like yeah they do have some weird things there's a lot of of weird pedophilia in in the lds church yeah Mm -hmm. same with the catholic church but anyway same with all the churches for real yeah seriously and and i would love to explore you know the lds church a lot more because there is i mean there's whole shows about people trying to leave the church and and uh you know all sorts of sketchy things going on but anyway Robert at this point in time was still up on kidnapping charges and his wife, Gail used the affair information to blackmail the Brobergs into lessening the charges. Bob Broberg filed for divorce and made sure to be out of the house with the daughters. When Marianne got the papers, which alleged that she was endangering their daughters. Bob recalls this day, sorry, alleged Bob recalls this being like the worst day of his life. Like finding out, you know, serving his wife divorce papers because she's having an affair with this person that kidnapped their daughter. And a lawyer advised Marianne to cut Robert Birchtold out of her life and go plead her case with her husband, who ultimately was relieved to reconcile. So Marianne finally like realized like this guy is totally destroying, taking me away from my family, trying to separate me from my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to get him out of my life. So they actually ended up remaining married until Bob Broberg died in November 2018. Despite the Broberg stating that Jan was not taken against her will, the case against Birchtold went forward. He pleaded guilty to felony kidnapping in June 1976 and was put on five years probation and sentenced to five years in prison, all suspended except for 45 days and told to report to jail within three months. Factoring in his good behavior, he ended up only spending 10 days in jail that September. 10 days in jail for all of these for felony kidnapping. How the fuck does that happen? This guy was able to literally weasel himself out of the, the justice system too. But I think it, I think it came down to the fact that Jan's parents kept saying, Hey, it was okay. It was okay. We knew, you know, we gave them permission, that type of thing to the courts. I mean, they must've, they must've had to do that so that she, you know, He didn't get the charges that he should have gotten. In the meanwhile, a 13-year-old Jan was begging her parents to let her go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where Robert Burstold was running a family fun center there that summer. What the hell? Of course he would go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming and, you know, do a family fun center creep. So she was... Jan started like begging her parents, like, let me go. I want it. Because during this whole time, she wants to see Robert. Bertrand. Yeah, and she felt like they were kind of limiting their her time with him. Oh yeah, which was starting to piss her off. She was getting really angry. It was like kind of like a, a forbidden love, a little bit mm-hmm. starting to turn into. 
Well, yeah, because she had to complete the mission. Yeah. And she was legitimately having anxiety about it. about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was tearing her apart. Maybe like, she thought the world was literally going to end if she didn't. Do or her this. family was going to, I mean, her yeah. family was going to be killed. Yeah. Essentially. So she started acting out and eventually Robert called and told Marianne that Jan would just hitchhike to him if they didn't let her go. So Marianne, without her husband's knowledge, put Jan on a plane and sent her to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where Jan stayed for two weeks with uh, Robert in his motorhome. How the fuck do you let that happen again? Insanity. It's just crazy. It's crazy that these guys made the same mistake twice or even multiple times. And Bob was completely livid. He was like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, God, to let her go back to this pedo again. Like, can you imagine doing like making that decision? So weird. Why? Why would she do that? Why would she give in to that after everything? She knows he's manipulative. Yeah, that's why they get. I mean, God, because like. Ugh, you can only be so ignorant, you know, before it's just like, obviously yeah. you knew and you just didn't do anything. I mean, you got to know what he's doing with her and their yeah. motor home together. Like, good. Yeah, God. Come on. There's got to be like a parental red flag going off. They were just straight up negligent. About yeah. It. Like straight up. I negligent. think they were just straight up letting it happen. It's so odd. Maybe they didn't want to disappoint him because they both kind of had crushes on the dude. So weird. It's it's very bizarre that they didn't turn on him earlier. That they didn't just be like, fuck this guy. Yeah. He's tearing her family up. He's clearly hurting our daughter or yeah. brainwashing her. They had to have the inkling of that. But they they like in the documentary, they just keep being like, Oh yeah, we just we had no idea. We were just, you know, we had no idea what he was doing with her. We didn't we just didn't know. Yeah. But I'm like, come on now. Especially the fact that he kidnaps her again. Again. But before we talk about that, we want to thank our last sponsor for today. All right. So the second kidnapping happened in August 1976. One night, Robert appeared at Jan's bedroom window, which Jan lived in the basement. So there was like a window to get outside from there. So it was pretty easy for him to get access to her room and basically told Jan to put all of her belongings in a backpack and write a note indicating she was running away. Then they got in his Lincoln Continental and left Idaho and traveled to California. At one point, Jan did call her family, telling her dad that she still wanted to marry Burstold and that he and that he wanted to marry her. And to keep her away from her parents, Robert enrolled her in a Catholic boarding school in Pasadena, California, which is just so bizarre. Like he thought out, he like thought out everything too. That's why I keep kind of calling him an evil genius because, like, he was he wasn't dumb. He was definitely smart, and he knew that he had to, you know, he he could have access to her. If he created this fake narrative of essentially that Jan is his daughter and what he told the Catholic boarding school was that he was a CIA agent who barely escaped from Lebanon with Jan and that her mother had been killed. He also said that people were looking for him and that he needed the nuns to protect Jan. He would actually come back on weekends to take Jan away from boarding school and do his dirty work to her. God. And like back then, nobody checked IDs. Nobody was like, it, there wasn't all of like the security for schools and well, I think everything. I mean, at places like that, I don't think they normally do because a lot of these people really like in a situation like that, which those kind of situations, I don't know if it would straight up be a CIA agent showing up with someone, but they will often take in people without knowing exactly where they're from if they come from like a traumatic situation. Like a lot of those places don't, you don't need to have ids and stuff at like with nuns you know they're just helping people 
So he took advantage of that, knowing that they probably wouldn't right. question it. Right. Because where else do you bring an orphan? Then well, obviously, well, it wasn't. To an orphanage. He, she she wasn't. He he said that that was her biological daughter. Yeah, but he said that, that her, her mom mother died, died. So and he had to work. Oh. So okay. So con- be not a real orphan. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah. not a real orphan, but she would have been on her own if it wasn't for the nunnery, and they took her. And I mean, it's kind of a plausible story that... Catholic boarding school, I keep saying nunnery. But. And I think he thought that he was just going to be able to keep her there forever, essentially. Yeah. No one would be able to figure it out. But the FBI was already on to him. They basically tracked tracked, uh, tracked her down to the school and basically found out that she was under a different name. I think it was like Janice something she mm-hmm. was going by, and they... They figured out that she was there. And despite some resistance at first from the school's administrators who were unaware of Robert's true identity, uh, she was eventually taken back by the authorities to Pocatello, Idaho. But at that point, she had been in the boarding school for over three months. So it was three months that she was gone again at this boarding school. And Robert was living in Utah, driving over to Pasadena to the school to visit her on the weekends and continue to take advantage of her which jan in the documentary she talks about like how many you know times she had a sexual encounter with with robert and she said it was like over 200 or something crazy like that which is absolutely insane and the entire time completely underage completely illegal and disgusting so sad So, however, Jan was listed as a runaway. She was booked into the Bannock County Jail for one night upon her return. Robert was charged with kidnapping again. And the hold that Robert had on Jan didn't really start to crack until January 24th, 1977, when Bob got a call that the flower shop he owned in town was on fire. Which turns out two men who were convicted of the arson were connected to Robert Birchtold. Robert Birchold had paid both of them, I think, a thousand bucks to do to do it, essentially sending a message to the Broberg family. Yeah. But the authorities somehow, I guess, were unable to ever connect that to him, which is so weird. It's so weird that the authorities were like never able to like he pin was charges just, like, on the him. luckiest fuck. Seriously. He got away with everything. Oh, this was so emotional. Um, during it, her father, I mean, God, her family does get so much shit. And like I said, rightfully so. They made a lot of fucking mistakes. But her dad said, I thought this was so sweet, when his flower shop was burning to the ground, he literally said, let it burn. All I care about is my family and like hugged his family. Yeah. And that's when Jan kind of snapped back to reality, remembered who, you know, who she really loves and who her family is. And I'm sure she kind of had an idea at that point that it could have been Robert that did it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think things were starting to make sense. At this point, she's 16 years old. So she's obviously growing up and she's get, having yeah. other outside influence. Not kind as of, easily manipulated. Right, exactly. Older. Well, I mean, as you get older and into your teenage years, you just naturally get smarter and you start, you know, sort of waking up to the reality of the world. When Jan was 16, she went to a summer drama camp at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, and she met a boy she liked. When he bought her an ice cream one day, she actually freaked out and called her mom begging to come home. It wasn't until then that she realized none of the terrible things Birchtold had told her would happen about the aliens, about her sister going blind, had come to pass. Because essentially this entire time she, you know, she's being told to 
not talk to any other other guy. That's what Robert Birchall told her is like, you yeah. cannot interact. I or, want you for myself. Yeah, you can't be with any other guy. And after she did this and nothing happened, she's like, oh, shit, this guy's completely full of shit. And when she realized she was brainwashed, Jan's eventual reunion with her mom at the end of 1976 was far from loving. Jan recalls it was the worst day of my mother's life. Instead of hugs and kisses and crying, I just walked through the back door and saw my mother standing at the kitchen sink. And without a word, I walked past her and down the stairs to my bedroom. It was as far away from my family as I could get. Can you imagine like once you finally wake up out of that like delusional world you've been in for like the past, what's four couple years, last couple years, you know? Yeah. And realizing that my parents kind of let this happen to me or yeah. definitely enabled him to do this to me. It's kind of amazing that to this day, she has a pretty good relationship with them. Um, it seems like they've done a lot of work on this and they, they in the future end up writing a book about this and she works with her mom to raise awareness and her mom definitely seems to snap to reality and realize like how fucked up everything was. So thankfully she was able to salvage that relationship with her parents because I do think that would be very, you'd have to, you'd have to harbor a lot of anger towards your parents for letting that happen to you. I mean, your parents are supposed to protect you and that this happened not only once, but twice and that she got raped so many times on their watch is just, I mean, insane. So I guess it's better for her to be able to forgive her parents and have them in her lives Mm -hmm. as support. Um, Obviously you don't want to just like get rid of them. And that's good that they were able to work it out. But still, it's it's pretty wild. I don't know. It'd but be I mean, hard for me to get over that. Yeah, and and I don't know if like she could ever fully heal from that. You know, like yeah. And obviously, as a parent, could you ever like could you ever live those mistakes down? Like you must just f- be filled with guilt and shame. You know, the rest of your life. I think life. they do feel really bad. Thinking about how you literally let your daughter down, and when Jan kind of came out of this, I mean, she was a completely different girl at this point. Yeah, she used to be this like happy, go lucky, vivacious, adoring girl. But that was no longer like she was just completely emotion, emotionless in the sense like, yeah, yeah, like emotionally dead and just removed from everything. So it's crazy that the fact that Robert was able to use these various brainwashing techniques and psychological manipulation as tools to completely take control over Jan, but also her family. For example, like the story about the aliens that Robert told Jan seems like crazy to most people but with jan it struck a chord because the idea of a special you know like jesus a special baby being born to the world um you know is kind of a, a parallel story in a lot of ways like she she grew up with that story so it you know if you believe that believe like the story of jesus and jesus being born and the virgin mary and all of this mm-hmm. you know how he kind of said like you know, your dad's not really your dad. Yeah. It, it draws similarities to those two stories. So, so Jan basically said that it kind of made sense to her. Like she didn't really question it that much because it was kind of a similar type of story. But even the word mission was extremely familiar uh, to the young girls raised in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Members of the church are strongly encouraged to go on missionary services across the world once they reach adulthood. So that was another reason why, you know, she believed in this mission because they, the LDS church literally believes in this mission. Like they go on missions and going out and to knock on people's doors. Like it's the same type of thing. Right. So Robert, like 
kind of took advantage of I wonder of if that. he was even like a real Mormon, like, or if he was just completely using it as like a cover. I mean, I don't know how you could be. Obviously, like Mormons don't teach pedophilia and, and all that, but I don't know. Maybe he saw it as like a good cover for him. Hmm. Not only that, he kind of like he groomed them so well. He even talked to the girls about UFO stories and aliens and everything prior to him doing anything to mm -hmm. kind of set that up in their minds and have them give them knowledge about so it. So much thought went into this. It's so creepy. It's really crazy. But it wasn't until the summer of her 16th birthday in 1978 that Jan discovered a way to cope. It was at a theater camp, a place where she could tell other people's stories, even though she couldn't tell her own. Jan said, it's where I could express emotions as another character. It was also where she began to question her mission. Hmm. But despite the sexual abuse she suffered in her youth, Jan Broberg has used the training she received in theater camp to make a name for herself as an actress in Hollywood. With has her, she? Yeah. I was going to say, she looks so familiar. Mm -hmm. Totally. What was she in? So... Her resume goes back to the early 1990s. She appeared in a small role in the blockbuster film Iron Man 3, as well as having oh, wow. a reoccurring role in the TV show Everwood from 2002 to 2006, which is her biggest uh, role. She also recently appeared on an episode of Criminal Minds, ironically portraying the mother wow. of a boy missing for three years. Wow. She probably can like muster up so much of her own emotion for those roles mm -hmm. from her own experience. But the biggest thing that her and her mother have done is like raise awareness about yeah. sexual abuse and, you know, children that are reported missing mm -hmm. and and how it like can often be family members yeah. or fr family friends or family members. Yeah. Someone you trust. It's normally someone the family trusts. So she brings awareness to this day doing this. And, you know, that's why she made the film Abducted in Plain Sight, which I think there might be a sequel. And. She's also uh, made another film called Forever Be, which helps educate parents on how to protect their children from pedophiles, particularly if that person is close to the family, yeah. which is very, very good to know. But one of the last confrontations that Jan had, so there was like literally 28 years that went by that Jan had no contact with Robert Birchtold. But on March 6, 2004, Jan was giving a speech at a woman's conference being held at Dixie State University in South St. George, Utah. And it was around the time that the Broberg started going public with their story. However, she soon learned that an uninvited guest had shown up and reportedly had a gun. Robert Birchtold, who is now 68 years old, came to the conference to interrupt Jan's speech and distribute flyers that protested his innocence. According to press reports at the time, a volunteer security guard asked to see the flyers, but Robert threatened him. Then, as the security guard walked away, Robert struck him with his white minivan. The guard flipped onto the top of the vehicle and was dragged for approximately 110 yards, and then Robert just sped away. Holy shit. Over 40 oh people witnessed God. the attack. The police later arrested Robert at a McDonald's restaurant. Jan said he was later convicted of multiple felonies stemming from that incident in St. George. Luckily, Jan never saw Robert at the conference because she was shielded by supportive family and friends. But the whole incident was so terrifying that she decided to get a restraining order against the abuser from her childhood. Oh, which I'm like, so much I would have done that day one. Yeah. I However, had a bad roommate. I got a restraining order within like a week yeah, of her doing I mean, it's not that me. hard to do. I'm surprised yeah. she didn't do that earlier. Yeah. But Robert fought the restraining order, something that Jan didn't know he had the legal ability to do. She soon found herself in a courtroom sitting across from the man that had kidnapped and abused her during the multiple, multiple occasions as a child. 
With numerous friends and families and supporters sitting in the courtroom, Jan explained her case to the judge. And when it was time for Robert to defend himself, Jan said he told the judge that his accuser was only doing all of this because she was just an actress looking for 15 minutes of fame, which is insane. Yeah. And like there's a clip of it in the documentary of him saying like, like trying to be like, you're, you know, you're doing this just for to get a movie deal or whatever. Yeah. Trying to like make it sound like it's completely you know, bullshit the whole story and everything. Mm-hmm. But then she literally like shut him up and was like, why don't you, why don't you come up here and tell the truth? You know? Yeah. And of course he just like got super silent after that. But after the judge deliberated, Shit. he awarded Jan's request for a restraining order against mm-hmm. Burchell. The judge advised Robert that he was not allowed anywhere near Jan for the rest of his natural life. Burchell was charged and found guilty of aggravated assault, possession of a firearm by a restricted person. And because he was found guilty, he was scheduled uh, to be sentenced, but he did not want to go to jail knowing and knowing that he was going to go to jail. Uh, his brother, Joe, explains that he essentially overdosed on a bunch of medicine that he had. He took a whole bottle of heart medication so, and washed it down with Kahlua and milk. Wow. Probably because he knew how pedophiles right. don't do very well in jail. And the fact that he was able to avoid jail all these years is just insane. How did he do that? And you can tell Jan is so like, she still is angry to this day that he got away with so much. Like, what did she say? He ended up spending one year in jail at one point, right? Didn't he spend one year in jail? She said, yeah, for early on else. for a different crime. And actually yeah. he, he pleaded guilty to one count of rape of a child in Salt Lake city in 1986, yeah, 10 years a long time after the second kidnapping. But he had he had multi he had multiple offenses of rape on a child, and yet he s- still would get out. Like yeah, nowadays they feel like if you you know especially have multiple cases of raping a child, you're going to be yeah. in prison for years. Yeah. Like yeah, and the fact well, that he people wasn't like him that changed the shit for. So the fact that this guy, after all these years, never got charged for sexually abusing. Jan is just absolutely insane. Like, yeah, it is. It's, it's crazy. It's extremely angering, honestly. It's ridiculous. And to just get away and just, God, and a whole bottle of heart medication. So, what would that do to you? I wonder what it did to him. I hope it hurt. I hope it was awful. Such a coward. Such a cowardly yeah. way to go out. Can't even man up and tell the truth. I know. Some people are just so fucked. But the one of the things that they kind of explored a little bit is like what caused you know, Robert Birchhold to yeah. do the things that he did. And it started going back and looking at his childhood and yeah. his childhood was not, not very good. Which I mean, you could probably have guessed. Yeah, exactly. He was kind of this like outcast child. He was never really a part of the family until I think his mom got sick or something. And mm-hmm. then he was put into this almost like fatherly role at a really young age where he had yeah. to take care of his younger sister and then I think there was like some sexual abuse there with his younger sister. Mm-hmm. So it kind of started there. And then, you know, later on in life, he had this need to have like constantly be like grooming and having possession Taking over a, 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 a young girl. or a young girl. Yeah. Yeah. He talked about that. That's so, <sighs> so weird. It was so weird. But it's so obvious, like a lot of these just monsters have these things that happened to them from a young age or experiences that shape the the rest of their entire lives and they're never able to get help or never seek help or you know they just keep it under wraps and keep it going for years and years like same with ted bundy and all these other people that commit these dastardly crimes and dastardly deeds and you just always wonder like why why are you doing this 
what is what is the point? I mean, what I come back to over and over again is that hurt people hurt other people. It's the same reason that we right. get like nasty comments, like beyond mean comments from some yeah. people. Like someone's hurt them to make them be. Right. So I don't even respond to that stuff or like really take it that seriously anymore because it's like they've probably been through some shit that made them angry or whatever. You know, this is obviously a much more intense scale of that, but over and over again with killers and pedophiles, like they've been through shit before you know they started doing that so it's pretty crazy and then in that sense like it's hard it's really hard to even figure out how to word this but there's like some sense of empathy there for that person at least i have it a lot of people don't but like i feel like a shred of me still feels sorry for people that do things like this because of what they went through in their childhood that like if they didn't go through that would they have had a completely normal life and is that fair that someone else did that to them and took their life essentially by fucking them up and to the point where they it's like it just a chain know? that keeps on going and going yeah and going. yeah yeah it goes on generations and well and jan now so. i mean she she ended up getting married but she got divorced and she had a kid and she to this day she says you know i i don't know how to love i, I just don't oh my god she she doesn't have this ability to you know she love and have all the natural emotions that somebody would have yeah. with a relationship because of mm-hmm this fucked up ordeal she went through with Robert Birchtold. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really sad that this happened and extremely, but I mean, she's very inspiring though. Yeah, she has yeah. really made a lot of her life since. And you know, what's really interesting is how many people, kids who get taken that come out of it and become like advocates, like really strong w- women make it their mission. Like JC yeah, Dugard made it her mission. Right. Um, Elizabeth Smart made it her mission to help the missing. Um, Amanda Berry of the Cleveland kidnappings worked on her new local news and reported missing persons cases for like years after she was taken. Really, really brave to get on a platform and and try to make something of your story. Take some something good out of the darkness that you went through and use it. I think that's best case scenario or, after yeah. these things happen to you. I think that's probably extremely healing for these people to feel like it's not all for naught. At least I'm right. doing something with this. I'm spreading awareness, or, yeah. preventing this from happening to somebody else. Yeah. It's the only thing you can really do to make the situation somewhat positive in a weird way. Yeah. I mean, you got to find something, yeah, something, the silver to... lining, you know, how can you take this and make it so that it's not just for nothing Now you went through this, didn't just go through this for absolutely nothing. Well, and this is how we learn as like a, a society and a culture and, this is how, you know, we we hopefully learn from these tragic events that happen and do everything we can to prevent it from the future. Like, I, I think obviously you know, these things still happen today, but yeah. I think it's far more difficult to to pull off the manipulation and, and all of the crazy shit that Robert did now, just because yeah. I think we're, you know, way more keen to sex offenders you know the, mm-hmm. the ability to look up a sex offender like the sex offender yeah. registry has probably saved so many people from being you know yeah involved with somebody like that mm-hmm. because we now know who they are we know where they are yeah. i mean obviously we don't know all of them but mm-hmm. it does give us some more awareness and we're becoming smarter as just a society i wonder if jan like if she didn't go through this if she would have been even more famous actress than she was because she really does come across it like she's great on camera she's great talking and really beautiful and i feel like she really could have been a major actress but you know she obviously had a delay with her acting and everything she went through a lot of shit 
Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe something like this would hold you back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm know. sure there's things about her experience that hold her back. I mean, yeah. think about it. She's had to like literally get her whole life back. Yeah. She was completely brainwashed into mm-hmm. thinking that she was on this alien mission with Robert. Like <sighs> so crazy. It's insane. It's and then, such a wild story. It really is. It's like, it's just insane that this could happen. Crazy. It is crazy. But hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you're interested in, in watching the documentary, it's called Abducted in Plain Sights on mm. Netflix. It's really good. I would definitely suggest watching it because it'll you know, give you a better yeah. sense of of the people that we mm-hmm. we talked about. And obviously Jan is in it and her parents are in it. It's hard to make an opinion on people without seeing them. And, totally. You know, really, because I feel like if you just listen to the podcast, you're probably just going to hate her parents and just, yeah, just yeah. have no sympathy for them and think they're idiots. But Which when you, I mean, like they, I said, they, right. <laughs> kind of watch but, it. You get the, I mean, you get the sense that obviously they. There's, they never meant ill yeah. will towards their daughter. No. They never wanted this to happen to they their seem daughter. They like good people. They just... And they're they victims too, in a way. They got... Oh, yeah. They got completely manipulated by an evil genius. I mean, I this mean, guy is... At the end of the day, thank God that they've come forward and like and are telling their story and trying to prevent this from happening to other yeah, people yeah, and warning other that, parents. Sure. Yeah, it's very brave. Um, to admit these things. Writing a book about it. Yeah. Yeah, which Jan has a book called Stolen Innocence. If you want to check that out as well, it's about her experience. It's written and, by her mom, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, hopefully you guys uh, found this uh, case interesting. It's a truly bizarre one. And, it is. Uh, yeah, so we will wrap it up there today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile Higher Podcast, leave us a like, subscribe on YouTube, or if you're listening to us on iTunes, give us a subscribe and review if you don't mind. We really enjoyed uh, having this interesting discussion today. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Uh, More true crime in the future? (laughs) Yeah. Well, my final thought and final announcement is that we do have a very exciting podcast coming. Our next podcast will have our first guest on it. Wow. So you'll have to see who it is, but it's going to be lit and you know them. It is a YouTuber. Most of you probably know. Most. Yeah. A lot of you are probably familiar with this person. And it's going to be lit. It's going to be lit. It's going to be fun. Should we tell them the topic or make it? No, no, no. Oh, we got to keep. We'll figure it out. All right. (laughs) I (laughs) want to be a surprise. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening. We will see you guys next week. Stay safe. And stay woke.